If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, February 25th, 2022. I'm on your host, Blessing, Adioye Jr. Joining me is co-host of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, Gamertag Radio's Paris Lilly. Blessing. Thank you for having me back. It's actually been a while since I've been on, on Games Daily, so so yeah, excited for this. A little yeah. under the weather. If I sound a little nasally, been battling the cold this week, but uh, glad to be here. Paris, no cold could ruin how your voice sounds. Of course, you got the best voice here at Kind of Funny, and I would say in the games media side of the games industry. And so don't worry about sounding nasally. You sound great. Also, congratulations. I saw the tweet earlier this morning on the 17 years of Gamertag Radio. Big congrats on that. That's a long time. Yeah, that's that's huge. So so shout out to, to Danny Pena, a.k.a. Godfrey. Nano his brother. They started it 17 years ago, Gamertag Radio, and it's still going strong. So just... You know, I'm, I'm just thankful that uh, I was able to be a part of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, Paris, how are you dealing with all the Ellen Ring talk out there? We were talking a little bit before the show about, like, are we going to play or are you going to play Ellen Ring? Are you not going to play Ellen Ring? Like, after seeing the reviews, seeing the 96 on Metacritic right now, maybe 97 because it keeps going back and forth. Is, is, is Elden Ring something that you want to hop into? So it's funny because first of all, shout out to 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 you and everyone else on Gamescast for the review. That was fantastic, which also Thank leads you. into that and all the other reviews that I've seen has me very tempted to want to play Elden Ring, even though I know it's kind of not for me. I, I even kind of said that during the week. It's just not my thing, but I totally get it. Um, I, I do have a PC copy and I'm highly tempted to want to jump in. But there's just so many other things going on right now, time-wise. I just don't think I can invest the time right now. So I'll give it a shot at some point this year, but probably just not right away. What are you, what are you investing time in right now? Are you still playing Horizon? Are you still playing? I know you're probably playing Destiny Witch Queen. Yeah, I'm playing the Witch Queen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's what, um, I'm absolutely loving it. It's This is probably the best Destiny has ever been really from, yeah from the campaign standpoint from all all just the system level features rpg features customizations that you're able to do now the weapon crafting everything that they've added in um this is the this is the best that that destiny's ever been and it, and it goes to show i mean the game's been around since 2014 so they've probably just taken so many lessons learned over the years but from a, just a story standpoint narration standpoint i mean this this is it this is the wow. best wow so then what would you would you say that this that uh destiny wish queen is approachable for newcomers because i've been i know greg and mike have been trying it out a little bit i've been out of the destiny game since uh the launch of destiny 2 right where i played like the 80 hours that month that it came out did the leviathan raid fucking loved it and then bounced off of it because i wasn't somebody who wanted to stay long term tried jumping back in with forsaken because so many people were talking about like you know the story of forsaken and like the twists that are in it and i was like cool let me do that and i started playing it and i was like man this seems like a lot of work <laughs> this seems like a lot of investment and i ended up not sticking around as much as i wanted to would you say Witch Queen is a jumping in point for people that are newcomers, or is it better if you've been been on the Destiny journey for years and years? It's a complicated answer. It's it's a yes or no thing. I, I would say 
if you're trying to understand the story of destiny and just where everything has led up to this it's this is chaos you're not going to understand it at all i would say from just a gameplay standpoint they bring you in everyone has even playing field you all come in at uh, 1350 power i think from that standpoint this is a great jumping off point you can get in and you can start playing the game but you're not going to know what's going on. You're going to know who's this character? Why is this character? What's their motivation? Why are we doing Where, all where's this? Where's Kate Six? Exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, that's good to know. I, I, I'm keeping an eye on it. I'm keeping an eye on specifically Snowbike Mike and Greg Miller to see how much they stick with it. And if they stick with it, I think I might jump in uh, into it so that I can play with them because that means that we're all coming in probably at similar levels. But enough about Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, Paris. We got a lot to talk about because oh, yeah. today's stories include more Project Spartacus details, Dice Awards winner, uh, winners, and it seems like we got some breaking news about Steam Deck reviews, so we're keeping an eye on that because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you war for the planet of the apes in review is now up on youtube.com slash kind of funny and on podcast services around the globe thank you to our patreon producers gordon mcguire james davis at james Davis makes Pranksy, Manny the Bagel Boy Sanchez, and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Purple Mattress and DoorDash, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have four stories plus maybe a breaking news story today. Uh, maybe Baker's dozen. That may be breaking one being the Steam Deck reviews, which again I am keeping an eye on as that shit comes out. Um, but for now. Paris. Let's start with our story number one. We have some more reported details on PlayStation's Project Spartacus. I am pulling from Jeffy Grub Grub at GamesBeat. Sony is looking to expand PlayStation Plus by introducing new features and by integrating elements from PlayStation Now. Bloomberg originally reported about these efforts, which Sony internally calls Spartacus in December. But now GamesBeat can provide some more info on what these new offerings look like. Spartacus is an evolution of PlayStation Plus with three tiers. It currently calls those tiers essential extra, and premium, although those names could change between now and when the service launches. The subscription for these programs is monthly and starts at $10 and goes up to $16. And what uh, what do each of these tiers get you? Here's the current plan. At PS Plus Extra, or sorry, at PS Plus Essential, you're going to get uh, monthly games at, at a price of $10. PS Plus Extra is going to get you monthly games plus a game catalog, uh, and that's going to come at $13. And PS Plus Premium is going to come with monthly games, the game catalog, streaming, classic games, and then game trials at $16. Again, all these prices and names could change change but this is the general outline of what to expect from spartacus and these features should make uh, uh, make ps plus look much stronger in comparison to xbox game pass paris where are you at with playstation project spartacus it seems like it might be around the corner it seems like they're trying to go for game passes throughout do you think they have the stuff yeah th- this one's interesting because i when i saw this yesterday i i I, I was hesitant to want to like publicly speculate on it because I, I kind of don't think this is final. 
just my personal opinion, just looking at the way that the tiers are, are set up. I, I get it that they're putting PlayStation now, combining it with PlayStation Plus, and they're basically adding a, a, a backwards compatibility layer to it. It looks like with these, these classic games that they're talking about, it'll be interesting to see if are those downloadable or those are streamable or how that how that's going to work. Um, I'm actually surprised that they're really pushing. They're definitely pushing everything towards the top tier, obviously, right? Because, you know, they, that's most expensive. But I, I was hoping that we'd see the classic games at least in a lower tier. So so I was surprised to see that if you want to play any classic PlayStation games on your PS5, you're going to have to get the most expensive one. There isn't any, there isn't a layer there. And it also looks like streaming is also tied to the highest tier as well. So um, I don't think this is final. I think... I, I do think this will change because it just seems like that middle $13 tier, what's the point to it, right? It yes. almost seems like either you're just going to go with the basic one or you're going to get the most expensive yeah. one. I don't see anyone doing the middle one. I feel like they yes. have to at least add streaming to the middle one because that is like the, right. the basic stuff with a PS Now, right? Like Because it seems like the game catalog uh, in the middle tier is like whatever downloadable games are on PS Now, uh, at least for now. And I feel like just adding the streaming to that, uh, being able to just stream the essentially just the PS3 catalog would just be. I feel like just g- give us that, and then you it, know, it feels the like you're premium one to be able to download some of those games. You're splitting up some of the worthwhile features into three different tiers in a way where I think this becomes way more attractive if it was the two tiers, where it was yeah. all right. Let's get rid of all. Let's let's get rid of all the the complications of it. Make PS Plus essential being the lower tier that you already are paying for, right? Because it is literally just what PS Plus is right now. Let it be online. Let it be monthly games, and then you know make it exciting, right? Add in the game catalog. And then at PS Plus Premium, maybe then add in the streaming classic games and uh, game trials and call it a day, right? And game trials, like, I, I'm with you, Paris, that a lot of this seems like it is them figuring it out. And we are probably a month or so away from right. this being officially announced. And they're probably still trying to keep their ear, ear to the ground, see what's working about Game Pass, see what works about other subscriptions, and assessing as the situation goes on. As it stands right now, I do feel like it is. there's a lot of weirdness in terms of where these things land. Why Why are game trials a PS Plus premium feature? Why am I paying for the, the highest right. price for game trials, right? When something like game trials, honestly, like that should be a either lowest tier feature or something that's just available, right? Like demos were a thing that were around during the PS3 and right. Xbox 360 era and have been around forever, right? But like, especially during that era, uh, plenty of games had downloadable demos that you can just try out and you know help help um, those will help us make you assess your purchase of like cool do I want to play I'm trying to think of like an actual game that I demoed and sorry oh do I want to play Infamous 2 because I played the demo of Infamous 2 like crazy do I want to actually like buy the full game of, of Infamous 2 right like that is what I would say is the purpose of a game trial and you know when they say game trial here I I do see it less as a demo more of like what you get with um, is it EA Play where you do have like right. the 10 hours or so that you can play of a new EA game via that service. But even so, I do feel like splitting it up that way just kind of it lands weird in terms of the pricing structure of it. I do think it'd be better if it was a hey, PS Plus Essential, PS Plus Premium, and you're getting the dope ass shit with Premium, but Essential, you're still getting a bang for your buck kind of deal. Yeah, completely agree with you on that. And and also say, just because you mentioned Game Pass at the top, you know, XCAS gotta gotta get that in, right? Mm-hmm. But uh this this doesn't this definitely does not seem like a Game Pass competitor, in my opinion. This just seems like an enhanced PlayStation Plus that's going to have some legacy titles thrown in along with cloud streaming. 
to me, which is fine. That that's yeah. fine. I don't I don't think there's an issue that I I've said for a while. I don't feel that PlayStation needs to compete with Xbox as far as Game Pass goes. I think them doing this makes a lot of sense for what PlayStation does. You know, look, I may not be a fan of $70 games, but the truth of the matter is PlayStation has been putting out some fantastic exclusive titles. So I don't think they need to leverage a subscription service day and date with their exclusive titles in their service. I think what they're doing being able to allow us to finally access some of those classic PlayStation games through this service makes a lot more sense to me. And I do see value in that. Yeah. And I do think that this is to some extent kind of the antidote to where PlayStation is at right now with raising, raising the prices of the premium games to $70 and Xbox game pass being such a, uh, a value for that audience, right? Like I'm with you that I don't think PlayStation needs to or wants to compete directly with no. game pass especially on the front of putting out your big first party games on on, the, on that service right i think for xbox that is the that is the killer there where they're able to put out first party games on game pass and that is something that i don't think any other company can do on that level right uh, xbox has the commitment to do it that, that is part of their core strategy that is not part of the core playstation strategy which is let's make really amazing um uh premium triple a first party games that we are we're we're selling 20 million copies of right in the case of Horizon Zero Dawn and the numbers that just came out about that um and that are also selling the console right selling the box i do think that what game pass does for xbox you know outside of even just the big strategy conversation that we talk about is the idea of value and the idea of how much are our are uh, our players in the audience paying for their games and i do think the more and more game pass pushes that limit the more and more it becomes a bit more visible on the playstation side of man video games are expensive and they're getting more expensive and i'm not i don't feel like i'm getting as much value uh, on the platform as i can and i do think that uh this playstation plus revamp right project spartacus seems like a way to just add value right how do we compete in terms of value and i think that is that right and that doesn't have to include first party games that could include you being able to subscribe to playstation plus essential and then getting the monthly games or getting playstation plus premium and getting a catalog of what probably is right now the ps now games right but then also getting games like shadow warrior 3 which is going to drop day and date on playstation now right and you imagine we'll roll into what project spartacus is and you would guess that for the future you would see more of those games coming out day and date on the PlayStation Plus service as opposed to um, uh, in, a, in in the same way that you see it happen on something like a Game Pass. I think you're going to see that happen a little, a little bit more and more on Project Spartacus. Yep, completely agree. I would say if, if there was anything I would love to see them add, add to this that would make sense for, for what PlayStation does, kind of like you just mentioned, uh, was it Shadow Warrior 3, that, that's a game that's going to be there day and date. I would love to see them do that more with, with indie titles where they make deals with some of these indie studios and use that as a way to kind of spotlight those games and get people, give people in the sense of, hey, I'm already a subscriber. I get to check out this great indie game at the same time. Exactly. And I do want to call out this this person in chat, right? I'm I'm Black Santa in chat says, yeah, because everyone's so hyped on Shadow Warrior 3. Would you say that every, everybody in the world was hyped on Nobody Saves the World, right? Like the idea of it isn't to give you one game that's going to sell the entire service. The idea is to continue to build and build and build. So exactly. that way, you know, in uh, one month, it isn't just Shadow Warrior 3. It is Shadow Warrior 3 plus uh, Little Devil Inside plus whatever five other, other indie games that PlayStation can get on the service in one month in order to sell Project Spartacus. I think that's the end goal, and I think that's where the service starts to shine, if you can actually achieve that, which would be exciting. Yep, completely agree. 
Hell yeah. Uh, Paris, let's move on to story number two. Uh, it Takes Two picks up Game of the Year at the 2022 DICE Awards. This is Danielle Pardis at GamesIndustry.biz. Hayes Lights It Takes Two picked up the Game of the Year accolade at last night's 25th annual DICE Awards show. The co-op adventure also took home the award for outstanding achievement in game design. Another big winner for the night was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which picked up four awards, outstanding achievement in animation, outstanding achievement in art direction, outstanding technical achievement, and family game of the year. Other winners included Halo Infinite, which picked up action game of the year and online game of the year, and Deathloop, which took home outstanding achievement in game direction. Housemarque's Returnal took home two awards, outstanding achievement in audio design and outstanding achievement in music composition. The night also saw Xbox boss Phil Spencer receive the Lifetime Achievement Award, and NetherRealm Studios' Ed Boon was 2022's inductee into the DICE Hall of Fame. Paris, what are your thoughts? All well-deserved, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, uh, Takes Two also got uh, Game of the Year at the, the Game Award, so it wasn't a surprise to see it get it here as well. I was happy to see Ratchet & Clank get a lot of love here, because I really loved that game last year. And then, oh, yeah. again... You know, when we talk Returnal, to to me, I I don't I don't think enough people you know have given Returnal the 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 love the, the flowers, that, that it man. needs. Yeah, exactly. It's, man, because, it's ridiculous. I'm right yeah, there with you. Yeah, it's such a fantastic game. I'm knocking on wood right now. I ho- I do hope Returnal uh, winds up coming to the PC this year as well because it definitely deserves a bigger audience of people to check that out. But yeah, everything. Yep, he always <laughs> does. He always barks when I'm on camera. Uh, but yeah, everything that we saw here. Um, Totally makes sense to me. Well deserved. I will say, I wish Psychonauts Two got some love here too. But, but that's it. Other than that, that's a good point. Psychonauts Two is missing. Uh, it hurts me, Paris. It yeah. hurts. Yeah. It's just one of those things where, like, last year was so dense in terms of the amount of games that we got and the amount of games that were like that 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 hit that level that really resonated with a lot of different groups of people. Where, like, I I think I said the same thing about Returnal at the 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 Game Awards, right? Whereas like other games saw more shine. And yeah, like I didn't realize it until you mentioned that Psychonauts Two wasn't wasn't listed here. I'm gonna I'm I'm tapping over to GamesIndustry.biz because they did have the full list of winners. Um, and now that you mentioned Psychonauts Two, I'm like curious to see if it won anything. So I'm looking I, through. I don't right? think it did. No. no? Game of the Year, It Takes Two. Outstanding Achievement in Game Design, It Takes Two. Uh, game Direction, Deathloop. Animation, Ratchet. Art Direction, Ratchet. Technical, Ratchet. Uh, game, family Game of the Year, Ratchet. Uh, music Composition, Returnal. Hell yeah, I feel like Returnal's soundtrack doesn't get enough praise, but the Returnal soundtrack is fucking phenomenal, along with the audio design, which it also won at DICE. Uh, achievement in Story, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Hell yeah for that. I would have gone for Life is Strange, but I'm not mad at it. Uh, <laughs> Adventure Game of the Year, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which... I feel like the, the the definition of adventure game changes every year, but hey, it's all good. Uh, action game of the year, Halo Infinite. Online game of the year, Halo Infinite. Fighting, guilty. Yeah, no Psychonauts 2 on here, right? Yeah, like, just Forza keep, just keep just twisting in the knife, bless. Just t- Role-playing game of the year. Oh, man, not Psychonauts 2, huh? <laughs> Final Fantasy 14. I wonder what got sports game of the year. Is it going to be Psychonauts 2? Uh, no, it's Mario it's like, Golf it's, Super Rush. <laughs> uh, Dice is more of, like, uh, a more insider uh, Yeah, it's, the, it's the, voted voted on by developers and people that and work on the dev really side. that's really blows my mind. Is, like, is Psychonauts 2 not winning anything at... Um, the game awards uh last year like didn't surprise me a lot because you know there um you know there are outlets that are sending in their votes and they're you know there are always going to be the those voices at those outlets that really love that game but i don't, I don't think the psychonauts 2 like really grabbed outlets as a whole so that didn't really surprise me but like i would have i would have assumed like other developers who played psychonauts 2 would have been just like 
really in love with it's like, it. Like, whoa, like blown away by, by yeah. it. I do think I, I do think it's just the competitive nature of last year, right? Like, I don't think it's an indictment on the reception of Psychonauts 2. I think it's more so like there's mm. so much love to give between all of the games that came out last year that yeah. at each of these award shows, so there's going to be give, something. And, you know, half of, the, half of the love we're, we're going to give to Ratchet and Clank, you know? Yeah. But, but, but Ratchet and Clank's a great game. <laughs> it's a that, great game. That's kind of the thing about all of it, right? None of the games listed. I didn't look at any of those games and go, man, why did that get it? I go, okay, I understand. It's just mm-hmm. Psychonauts 2 also deserved to be in there too. It's just just unfortunate. But I, I would say yeah. to anybody watching or listening to this right now, if you've not played Psychonauts 2, do yourself a favor. Go check it out. It is a phenomenal game. Well, well deserving of your time. Hell Absolutely. Yeah. And Barry, I mean, don't speak too soon. I'm looking at the awards right now, right? And like right here, outstanding achievement in character. There's no way that doesn't go to Psychonauts. Oh, wait. Oh, no, it's Lady Demetrescu uh, in Resident Evil Village. Are you si- they gave it to her ahead. again? I should have read ahead. Sitting? Oh, my She's God. tall, Barrett. She's tall. We what do you want from these guys? awards to memes. Jesus Christ. She's tall. She's hot. From what uh, I she understand, she's barely in the game. In the game. <laughs> she was in the first <laughs> fifth of the game, maybe third. First third of the game was Lady Demetrius. She was great. Anyway, shout out to the winners of Dice. Also, shout out to uh, 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 Greg Miller, who, of course, co-hosted once again uh, last night. Absolutely killed it. And also, like, shout out to It Takes Two, getting another big Game of the Year award, which is very impressive and very fantastic for that game. Also, shout out again to Phil Spencer. Uh, uh, I oh, think yeah. getting that Lifetime Achievement Award is is well warranted. And then also Ed Boone. Like, big shout out to Ed Boone for uh, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Because, like, when I think, when I think of growing up in the first video game personalities that I started to become aware of, specifically uh, on the dev side, Ed Boon, for some reason, was one of the first ones that I can remember. And maybe that was just because he was visible. Maybe he put himself, like, in the forefront. I know, like, Noob Cybot is literally, literally has his name in it. Um, but Mortal Kombat, I know, means a lot to me. It means a lot to so many people. Khalif Adams fucking loves Mortal Kombat. And so many, I know so much of our audience probably loves Mortal Kombat as well. Um, but yeah, like, big shout out there to Ed Boon, because, you know, I, I, I would have, if, if you asked me, I would have assumed he was in there already for um what he's done in the last i guess like what two decades three decades of being in the industry incredible paris before we move on to our next news story i want to let people know that they can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where they can get the show ad free and speaking of ads let us tell you about our sponsors your to-do list is absolutely bonkers between those meetings, errands, chores, and making sure you get some you time too. So make sure you get a little time to yourself with some help from DoorDash. DoorDash brings you what you want to eat right now, right to your door. Desperately craving late night snacks? Or have you forgot one key ingredient for dinner? Or maybe you just want to stock up for the week? Well, DoorDash has it all in one app. How do I know so much about DoorDash? Well, I'm Greg Miller, and I use DoorDash way too much. Uh, if you were watching the Kind of Funny podcast, when we were talking about a whole bunch of different stuff, Nick mentioned the ice cream place you really like, and I said, where is there one around me? And I said, yes, there is, and I ordered from it, and I had it on the post show. I was eating ice cream on the post show, giving you a review of the ice cream, all because of DoorDash. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code KINDAFUNNY. That's 25% off, up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees in your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter the code kind of funny don't forget that's code kind of funny for 25% off your first order with DoorDash subject to change terms apply I don't care how soft or firm your mattress topper is I don't even care how heavy your blanket is there's only one thing you need to get a good night's sleep and that's a good mattress get the only thing you truly need for a great night's sleep 
a purple mattress. Only purple mattresses have the gel flex grid. It's a super stretchy, ultra squishy material that adapts and flexes around pressure points and doesn't retain heat. It's amazingly supportive and cushioning in all the right places, no matter how you sleep. How do I know so much about it? Well, of course, you've known for years Joey's used a purple mattress. You know Tim uses the purple pillow. And now, the future class of video games, blessing Eddie Oye Jr. is sleeping on a purple mattress. And he tells me all the time it keeps him cool, comfortable, and gives him a great night's sleep. Getting a great night's sleep starts with having a great mattress. Get a purple mattress. Go to purple.com slash kindoffunny and use the code kindoffunny. For a limited time, you can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com com slash kind of funny code kind of funny for 10% off your order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash kind of funny promo code kind of funny terms apply. Paris, we're back with a breaking news. You know, we got the steam deck review roundup for uh, uh, here for you. Let me tell you, I had to use that ad break to pull together a review <laughs> roundup and I'm very proud of myself. Uh, let's start, let's start here with Seth Macy at IGN who has a review in progress. It is currently unscored, but uh, Seth Macy's verdict reads like this so far. The steam deck is a well-built piece of hardware that feels good to hold and play on. When you're playing a valve approved game, it's actually incredible to get this kind of performance out of a device so small and compact. Even if the battery can, can be gone in a flash, if you're not careful but on the eve of its official launch it isn't the smooth user experience i had hoped it would be aside from the frustrations i've come to ex- uh, expect and accept from pc gaming the biggest problem i've encountered was uh, has been spotty compatibility with steam os the dream of being able to play everything in your library on the go is a long way from being realized and not being able to use windows just yet makes a lot of those problems temporarily insurmountable plus it means i haven't been able to run our usual pc benchmarking tools so it's impossible to land on a judgment right now because i literally don't know what the steam deck will be able to do by the time the first retail unit arrives at a play at a paying customer's home but that won't last for long so check back soon for the final review and score and then I have uh, this other review I'm going to pull from The Verge. It is written by Sean Hollister, and the review is titled Steam Deck Review, It's Not Ready. Uh, they gave it a 6.5 out of 10. I didn't necessarily have enough time to like pull a verdict paragraph because they don't have a verdict paragraph. What they do have is a nice list of bullet points of good stuff and bad stuff. The good stuff reads like this. All right, good stuff. Powerful, high-quality hardware at an unheard of... Uh, unheard of price infinitely customizable controls makes decades of games playable it easily lets you balance performance and battery drain uh suspend and resume games and then doubles as a full linux pc and then for bad stuff uh unfinished buggy software noisy fan that almost never stops whining some of the most popular games still don't work and then two hours or less of battery life at the highest fidelity paris both me and you have a steam deck on deck right that we like <laughs> right. uh, pre-ordered essentially we put like what the five dollars down so we can yeah. wait for our spot in line to do it bear i think you did you mention you did that too yeah uh back in like december so it was like a few months after pre-orders went up as these reviews are coming out paris where are you at are you excited about your your money down uh, are you excited to get your, your, a steam deck in to try it out I'm a new gadget guy so i still want one despite like what like what the verge is saying what concerns me is the battery life i i you know the buggy software you know not having enough games you know compatible yet they'll get that resolved i'm I'm not too concerned about that but it sounds like the battery life and the fact that the fan is so noisy that does concern me a little bit so so much so that maybe it is a good thing i'm not getting one day one maybe i can kind of sit back for a few months while i wait on mine to come in and kind of see how it is out in the real world you know when when you know when it gets into consumers hands but 
I mean, overall, the concept of the Steam Deck truly excites me because I, I do see it getting to a place where my entire Steam library is going to be with me on the go. And that that's just like the dream, right, to be able to do that. So we'll see. And the fact that it is basically a Linux PC that's fully customizable, you could eventually get Windows on it, do some other things with it. Um, I, I, I do see this being a useful piece of hardware um, that, that's just going to spur innovation even more because, you know, if Valve's doing this now, someone right now is trying to copy this and is going to oh, do it yeah. as well. So, I, so yeah, I, I'm excited for it. And, you know, we'll we'll, we'll just see how, how it plays out and, here over the next few weeks. And uh, to pull in other things, because I know this is breaking and bless. I know you're only able to pull uh, as many yeah. as you can I, I'm find. sitting on the GameSpeed one right yeah. now, if, you're, if that's the one you're about to go to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll bring I'll bring Jeff Grubb from GameSpeed, who has a very glowing review uh, and says it's his, it's his favorite gaming PC ever made. Uh, I'm trying to scroll down to see where if I can get like a good excerpt here. Oh, this seems good. Uh, in the gaming community, we get really hung up on boxes. We like we like our imposing desktop PCs and new generation consoles so much that we often forget that they exist to serve us uh, games. What the Nintendo Switch emphasized is that, is that serving people games wherever they are is probably more important than things like graphics and HDR. Valve has taken that concept and brought it to the wide or, yeah, brought it to the wide open world of PC gaming. And the Steam Deck is a success because it emphasizes that experience. When I first got the deck, I was I was planning on installing Windows. Now I don't know if I ever if I ever will, because Steam OS is so fantastic at putting my Steam games front and center. And it's also built to give me specific granular control over how those games and the system performs so that I can get the most out of the device. A handheld is more relational than a console. It's something you hold and something you build a bond with. And Valve has lived lived up to its end of that relationship. It has proven that it cares deeply about having the best experience possible, and that in turn enables players to build this intimacy with games that handhelds are most uh, are famous for. I love my powerful desktop and my new consoles, but I would give them up to keep the Steam Deck experience in my hands. Which wow, that is a very glowing review. Yeah. Uh, Paris, to bounce off of what you're saying, right? Like, I. The, the concept of the Steam Deck excites me. The promise of the, of the Steam Deck excites me. I like the idea of being able to play these games on the go. And what Jeff Grubb is describing here in terms of not thinking about it as a PC like tech experience and more so th thinking about it in terms of like an intimate like, hey, this is a cool this is a cool piece of tech that i can play in a way that i'll play my switch which is you know i'm in bed playing it like it, it is more personal i'm not looking at i'm not looking for fidelity out of it i'm just looking for that uh for an additional way to experience the games i love uh i do appreciate that idea of it um i know for me now seeing those reviews especially uh the 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 verge one right giving it 6.5 i'm also in the place where like i'm excited that i'm not in that first wave right. you know like it, it reminds me of pretty much any hardware launch where it is Hey, if you're in that first wave, you're gonna get the bugs. You're gonna get the shit. You're gonna get all the stuff that are that are wrong with the with the hardware, right? People joke and say that, oh yeah, you're basically beta testing at that point, right? And and I think the idea of being able to wait for the first wave to go out, being able to come in at year two and then pick up something that might be more refined and updated and uh, might be able to run more games and have all the features that you'd want it to have, that for me excites me, right? I'm excited to see what the Steam Deck essentially becomes. Yeah, completely agree. That that's what I'm saying. It's I'm I'm not concerned about the early bugs because, like you said, that's pretty much every hardware launch. There's always going to be some bugs at the beginning, and they're going to continue to to get those games to be compatible with Steam OS with, with with Proton and get them migrated over. So my games library will eventually be there. It'll eventually be a smooth experience. So yeah, early days, first first couple months might be a little rough, but um. I'm not in the first couple of months anyway, so I don't care. So it doesn't affect me. So by the time I get it, hopefully it'll be great. <laughs>
when you get your hands on the Steam Deck, how how much do you think you're going to use it? Like, do you think it's going to be one of your main platforms? Well, it's interesting because you know I I work from home now, so it's I'm I'm not on the go commuting, so I honestly don't know. I I'm kind of like with what what Grubby Grub is saying. I love the concept of it, and I just love new tech and what I can do. So I mean, obviously, I'm going to put it through various scenarios, but my daily use of it. I mean, I, I'm here at home. I already have my PC. I have my consoles, but I still want one because I'm an adult and I want new things. So we'll, we'll see. I, I The one thing about it not getting it day one is I get to kind of sit back and see what other people are doing with it and how other people are using it and engaging with it. What interesting customizable thing may happen with it. So by the time I have it, I'll kind of have an idea of how most people use it. But um, yeah, definitely when I'm on the go, I, I see it being in my backpack with me wherever I go, because obviously I have time to kill. I can whip it out and play, play a game on it. And yeah, you know, that's the whole, whole point of it. I think it's, it's real. It's real uh, fun and interesting. You mentioned uh, it being on the go primarily as like the reason why why you'd want to use it, and that's something I've never even thought about with the Steam Deck, which I know is crazy because like when you think of handheld, you think of portable, you think of the fact right. of going on the bus, you know, going on a plane ride, you know, traveling and being able to play games in your hotel. I like that was my use case for my Vita when I played my Vita way more, right? Every single day on the bus in like 2016, I was playing Persona 4 Golden uh, back and forth, and it was the best time of my life just going on bus rides playing Persona 4 Golden with the Steam Deck. I've always thought of it as like a I'm going to play this at home on the couch in bed like and I think Hell for me yeah. it, it's the it's the idea of it being a dedicated gaming device as opposed yep. to my PC where when I come when I sit at my desk to like open, turn on my computer I'm thinking about work, right? I'm thinking about sitting down podcast podcasting with you guys, right? I'm thinking I'm thinking about doing taxes and shit, right? All the stuff that Greg Miller makes fun of. But like I I me not having my PC being a specific dedicated gaming device for some reason kind of takes takes the fun out of it. Where like whenever Greg or um, anybody comes to me and was like, "Hey, we got codes for a game. Do you want PC or PS5?" I'm like, "Oh, give me PS5 because like yeah, get me, for some me reason away that feels from more comfortable this desk as much as <laughs> yeah, get me right, away from yeah. this desk as much right. as possible. I like the idea of my Steam Deck being." something that is going to be cool i have that pc library and i'm going to be able to play my pc games but in a way that i don't feel like i am going through the motions of like booting up a pc and sitting at a desk and like turning on the lights or doing all what whatever cool like um uh like what, whatever like i need to do to set the tone of playing on my pc i don't need to do all that if, if i just have my steam deck which i know that setup changes from person to person right i know plenty of people have a pc setup where it's like no i just sit on my couch and turn it on um but i do like the idea of the steam deck being a different way for me to play that is going to be more um comparable to me playing my switch so i'm excited for it paris Next news story. Story number three. Uh, Switch's latest N64 update finally fixes Zelda's water temple room. This is Chris Skolian at Video Games Chronicle. The Nintendo 64 service on Nintendo Switch Online has been updated, adding a number of fixes to its emulation. The most notable of these, as tweeted by Switch data miner Oatmeal Dome, is, is that the Water Temple Room uh, in The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, used by many, many as the prime example of Switch Online's N64 inaccuracies, finally looks like it did in the original game. When the N64 service launched on, it, on Switch Online, uh, players quickly pointed out that the room looked nothing like it did on console, with no water transparency and no fog. An update in January fixed the water, but there was still no fog. This new update appears to have reinstated the fog, finally making the scene more accurate to its original design. Other users have taken to Twitter to point out more fixes introduced in the new update. A bug that was causing Paper Mario to crash and wipe save data if Mario died while partnered with uh, Watt has been fixed, uh, according to Gaming Boy 256 I love these usernames. 
However, some issues still need to be addressed. As Yakumono points out, Dr. Mario 64 still has the wrong transition effects, and the Inviso boss in Yoshi's Story still shows an incorrect effect when it turns invisible. Plenty of issues still remain, however, including the Switch Online app's apparent lack of support for the controller pack, the SD4's memory card. Paris, are you someone that's been uh, trying out the Switch Online N64 stuff? No, I have not. So actually, when this news story came up, it's interesting to see that, you know, they're they're obviously going in and, and continuing to iterate and fix issues as it goes along. But but I fully admit, no, I've really not deep dived in any of the N64 stuff on the Switch Online. Yeah, I'm somebody who has, and um, day week one when I was diving in hard, I I found it to be a bummer just in terms of how things ran. Right, like you know, there's the stuff that I think we we could have already assumed in terms of controls not being able to be remapped and like the issues that are already existed in that um uh online service. But yeah, like the emulation just wasn't there. Right, it yeah. seems like it, it seems like if you're somebody who pays attention to emulation and wants to play the best versions of these games there are other options still available for you that would get you um uh better performance out of these games than what nintendo's offering and like that shouldn't be the case because you're nintendo right like you have the switch you have these games you have the properties you should be able to deliver this stuff to us in a way that feels like we're playing the best versions of these games and so like for me that was something that was disappointing even though i still did love the novelty of being able to play mario kart 64 on the go and i still played so much of these games but i love that they're updating it right i love that they seem to be getting better it seems like it's still a continual climb to get things to where they need to be but it is another one in the checklist of weird nintendo decisions to launch (laughs) the n64 online service in this way and so yeah it's wild it's wild yes Nintendo is Nintendo. They are always going to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And we're going to continue to pay for it and just accept it and like it. But that's that's just how it works. It's how it works. And also, I will say that now that we are months past the launch of it, right, of the Switch expansion pack, I do feel better, a, a little bit better about the money spent knowing that I'm going to get the Mario Kart DLC. I think that yeah. plus them adding a few more games to N64 Online has like smoothened that, that out a little bit. I'm still like... I still want more bang for my buck, but I feel confident that I'm going to get that bang for my buck. Maybe at the end of 2022, We're maybe in 2023. Getting there, right? Bless. Like we just got Earthbound. Yeah. Uh, we just got Majora's Mask, I believe. Majora's Mask is huge. Um, and so yeah, I, I actually finally dropped the money for the expansion pack. I think like the last week or two weeks ago, just because it's one of those things of like, yeah, like I want more Mario Kart. I want to play N64 games. I, I played a little bit of Mario Kart 64. Uh, earlier this week and it was it was a fun nostalgic trip so i think yeah. slowly but in the classic nintendo way you know at first it's gonna be like why and then it's like what the fuck the are you doing couple of years it'll be like all right like this is this is cool i'm i'm glad that i'm spending you can they kind of settle into it yeah, yeah like um nathan the viewer in, in chat here says the animal crossing dlc is worth it and i think that is that is the thing where i'm not somebody who plays animal crossing that's not my type of game but if you did play animal crossing if you're gary witta and you ha- and you have a family of people that play Animal Crossing. You pay for the family plan, and that's a fucking that's a great deal, right? Yeah. But I'm like a single. I, I'm on a single plan. I don't play Animal Crossing, and so for me, Mario Kart DLC plus the N64 games makes it a bit more worth it. But if you happen to be somebody who's a Nintendo diehard and is going to play the N64 stuff, and also does play Animal Crossing and Mario Kart 8 yeah. Deluxe, which is probably most people with a Switch, honestly, like those games have sold to like like animal crossing hit over 30 million mario kart 8 deluxe is still the best selling game on the switch for those games to have both their dlc packs tied to nintendo switch online expansion pack that is a good deal for a lot of people and so like i totally understand what they're trying to do but i think it is a 
we're gonna climb climb toward yeah. a place where it feels great for a greater amount of people as opposed to that specific uh, uh, group of people. I totally forgot about the Animal Crossing DLC. That'll be fun for Alyssa because she's super into it, and we have the the family plan. And spring break's mm-hmm. coming up. I think in like in a month or two, so that that might be her life uh, for Hell yeah. for her break. <laughs> for for a second, I forget that I forgot that Alyssa got spring break off, and you got me excited because I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit, do we get spring break off? <laughs> we don't get spring break off." Yeah. No, that's not a thing. Yeah, that's not a thing. Sadly. Not. Story number four, we got a PC PSA for you. Uh, Elden Ring is working out its PC performance issues. I'm pulling from Ari Notice at Kotaku. On PC, Elden Ring has a number of issues that will affect all hardware configurations on all graphical settings uh, presets. Uh, That is what Digital Foundry says. Uh, back to Kotaku, when you, when you encounter new enemies in regions, you can run into micro stutters of 250 milliseconds. Those are in addition to stark drops when you're covering a lot of ground through the open world. In some instances, reportedly dipping from 60 FPS to 40 FPS multiple times per minute. Washington Post reporter Gene Park, who's played 40 hours of Elden Ring for review and progress, described its PC performance as rough initially and recommended that you play on a next-gen console. Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, who clocked 35 hours, made a note uh, made note of a handful of crashes, though said he still preferred playing the PC version over the PS5 one. Voice actor Yang Ye uh, said he played Elden Ring with the day one patch installed, yet still experienced stutters and bizarre slowdowns on PC. Publisher Bandai Namco addressed Elden Ring's PC issues in a blog post this morning, saying a patch will address everything from frame rate issues to mouse sensitivity, plus a rare problem where an easy anti-cheat fails to launch. Bandai Namco did not specify a date or timeline for the patch. Uh, I figured that would be a good like PC PSA. If you're a PC player out there, be aware that these issues are happening, but it seems like you're going to get a fix um, at some point. And coming off of that too, one I'll bring in uh, while we're here, uh, this broke yesterday uh when it didn't even break like this is a, a thing that's kind of been ongoing but Elden ring's pc performance issues have led it to a 40 percent negative um uh, review account on steam uh and most of those reviews saying that like people are experiencing um pc performance issues so be aware if you're playing Elden ring on pc if you're experiencing issues you're not alone so two things on that. First, first off, uh, I love that Young Ye is now known as a voice actor because he's been yeah, doing right. an amazing job with that. Second part is, yeah, I, I, I get the issues that it's having on Steam. Uh, you know, not on Steam, but just on PC as far as, you know, with, with all the, the stuttering and everything that's going on, which may have led to some of the negative reviews, obviously. Though I, they'll get it fixed. But have you seen the concurrence? on steam oh my i think God, yeah i mean it, look regardless of that look like i said i'm not playing it right now but regardless of that it was what over seven hundred thousand last time i saw so from know, daniel ahmad right some day one stats for elden ring 765 uh k peak concurrent players on steam wow. uh, that is versus 130k for dark souls 3 and 125k for sekiro it is the number number seven pccu of all time which i actually don't know what pccu stands for parents i don't know if you know as somebody who no, plays more PC than me no. chat kind of funny.com slash so you're wrong let us know what that means um maybe pc concurrent users that sounds right yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Uh, and then 910K peak concurrent viewers on Twitch. That is versus 280K for Sekiro and 276K for Dark Souls 3. And it's the number 16 game uh, PCCU of all time for Twitch Tracker, which I'm going to assume peak concurrent uh, users, unless somebody can prove me yeah, wrong. Ch- chat's uh, confirming your. You were saying I'm right? Yeah. Concurrent? Okay. Thank you so much for that. Uh, but yeah, no, Elden Ring is dominating right now. Absolutely. And that kind of that I mean that follows what we're what we've been talking about in terms of Elden Ring kind of being that breakout hit for from software, which you know, breakout hit in a in a way that like 
Sekiro was Game Awards Game of the Year in 2019. People fucking love Dark Souls, right? Like, we're not talking about an indie studio here, but we are talking about a studio that speaks to a hardcore audience um, and a very specific audience, and it seems like Elden Ring is going to really expand that audience, which is, I think is to be expected, but the fact that it's actually doing it, I think, is really impressive and something to look out for because it means that we're going to have a lot more uh, a lot more Souls players and a lot more, like, from software games that are able to exist in the same way and thrive and be bestsellers and be game of the year contenders in the same way. Perry, so if you play you, I, at the beginning of the show, I asked you if you're going to play Elden Ring, right? And you, and you yeah. said you're going to give it a try, right? Yes. If you had to guess, how many hours do you think you're going to put in Elden Ring as somebody who's not that, not that type of player? Uh, I mean, because I would want to give it a fair shot. It, it seems like just based on these reviews, I need to at least give it about 40 hours. No. oh you're gonna give it 40 hours you think yeah hell yeah hell yeah but I'm that's like, also why i'm saying I, I you know i i know i need that to s- cut out that amount of time so that's why i'm not jumping in right now because obviously it's review season and we're see, doing like a thousand I other gonna, things i thought you were gonna say like what i usually do is just like five to ten hours yeah i was expecting like oh yeah i'll give it a five hour <laughs> shot if i'm into it i'll continue if i'm not i'll uh, bounce out 40 I mean, hours I, is a good commitment I mean, I love open world games, so it's not even the thing of that, that I, I can't get into that genre. And obviously, I understand the Souls concept and I like playing games like Returnal and, you know, things like that, you know, roguelike games. So I think I can get into it. It's just I know I've never really given those type of that type of game, a Souls game, a chance. And I see it needed a big time commitment. So I was like, this this isn't going to be for me right now. I'll try later. I feel like we'll get into the summertime and there'll be a lull in games. And then I'm like, all right, let me jump into Elden Ring and, and commit some time to it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm currently I'm about 33 hours uh, into Elden Ring. And it's one of those ones where even though you say 40 hours, even though that sounds like a lot. Elden Ring, I I think, is an easier game to kind of go down that rabbit hole and put in right. that many hours into. Like, I saw Andy posted his, like, Steam screenshot of, like, 90 hours. And I think I could see I could see myself potentially getting there, too, with how much the world is just made for you to just exist in it and get lost. It's funny because, you know, a, like, a big talking point for Elden Ring is how vast and wide and huge and long long the game is, right? But, like, a month ago when Dying Light 2 was like, hey, you know, it's going to take 500 hours or 90 hours to, like, complete complete the game. People were freaking out about that in a way where I was like, damn, like, you guys are kind of going hard in Dying Light 2. But yeah. I think that also comes with the kind of game, like, the kind of games that demand that kind of time for you, where Dying Light 2, I put in my, uh, I want to say, like, 30 hours overall? Maybe, like, 27 hours overall. And I felt done with it, right? I enjoyed that time. And, like, in a world where there wasn't anything else to play right now, I'd probably put in more time into Dying Light 2. Um, But with Elden Ring, as I've been playing it, it kind of just has that, like, nah, man, just get lost in it kind of feel where you just want to keep exploring. You want to keep chasing points of interest. You want to... There's always something that's kind of pulling your attention that you kind of want to go and, and chase down. And for me, I'm somebody who I tend to not put what like 50 hours into a single player game if i'm putting in that much or that many hours to a game usually it's something multiplayer usually it's something like apex where i'm just like playing with friends and time's right. getting lost that way for a single player game it's either persona or it's like it's something that really uh, uh, uh gets me in that way with the gameplay loop and elden ring seems like it's one of those that the gameplay loop is really pulling me in in a way where i'm just i i can see myself losing 60 more hours into it no, oh, that's great. Like, like as an example, like The Witcher Three, I've easily put in probably five hundred hours into that game, right? Mm-hmm. So when when I think of giving up forty hours to to this type of game, which is another open world and like everything that you're describing, I think I think it's worth the time commitment. So I'm I'm willing to do that. Paris, 
I'm excited to see if you hit that 40 hour mark in Elden Ring, <laughs> but that is just so far away. If I wanted what's coming out to Mom and Drop Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show host each and every weekday. Yeah. Out today, we got Grid Legends for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and PC, Tormented Souls for PS4 and Xbox One, Moto Rotor MC for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and Switch. Oh, I always mispronounce this one. Atelier or Atlier? It's one of those two, and I always flip it. Um, Atelier Sophie 2 for or, um, The Alchemist of the Mysterious Dream. Goddamn, what a title. For PS4, Switch, and PC. Elden Ring for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and PC. Tux and Funny for Xbox One. Um, uh, people in chat are saying Atelier. Uh, slip crate here says Atelier. Atelier Atelier. 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 Yeah. Oh, everybody in chat is saying something different. Atelier. Atelier. Is it French? Yeah, you, got, it you, got, you got to like put the the. John if it's French, then no pronunciation because uh, it's Atelier you know, in that, in that, in that yeah. case. Atelier. Yeah. Okay, we got it. Uh, where was I? Figment 2 for Creed Valley for Switch. Uh, Aeternum Quest for Switch. Ammo Pigs cocked and loaded for Switch. One Guy Gun for Switch. Plunderer's Adventure. Adventures for Switch. And then A Perfect Day for PC. New days for you. Uh, Xbox Games with Gold for March 2022 have been revealed. Next month, you're getting The Flame in the Flood, Street Power Soccer, Sacred 2, Fallen Angel, and SpongeBob's Truth or Square. Uh, Paris, as a host of the Kind of Funny uh, X-Cast, does that do it for you? Xbox uh, Games with Gold, March 2022? I'm... Games with Gold at this point is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't put any that was, stock. That was me baiting you, if I'm being honest. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I, knew, I, I knew the answer. Yeah, I know. I mean, look, they're, they're in the Games Pass business these days, so Games with Gold. I, honestly, can, uh, let me say this. I'm actually shocked that they still have Xbox Live Gold. To be honest with you, you would think at this mm -hmm. point they would just bundle it, just get rid of that and just go, hey, we'll get Game Pass and everything that, that you would get would be through Game Pass. So it's surprising that it's even still around at this point. Now, Barrett, you have pulled up here gameplay for SpongeBob's Truth or Square, and it looks like it looks like Battle for Bikini Bottom. Barrett, was this one? Was this your jam when it came out? No, this, this, this game isn't great. This, uh, really? no, no SpongeBob game, I think, is really like they've tried to do Battle for Bikini Bottom. They've tried to capture that, and I don't think any of them have really, really hit that hit high that since. We'll see with the mm. new, um, you know, spiritual successor to Battle for Bikini Bottom that they're working on that they announced last year. We'll see if uh, they can. God, I forgot that was there. happening. I know. Yeah. I'm so stoked for that game, but yeah, this this game wasn't it. Oh wow, wow. Yeah, like I'm Paris. I'm with you in terms of like. Games of Gold, I feel like month after month, I'll see the list and I'm like, do people even know this exists still? Like, this feels like such a bygone thing of, dude, just get rid of it. You have Game Pass, right? That speaks to so many people. It feel, it seems like it's time to, like, just double down on that and, and uh, get get rid of it. But maybe they're maybe they're trying to fulfill something. You know, maybe they're trying to buy time. Maybe they're waiting for some kind of big announcement or revamp for um, uh, Xbox Gold slash um, Game Pass Ultimate you know yeah, yeah maybe they're I, waiting for something yeah maybe so but it also kind of this highlights the difference between that and like playstation plus where playstation plus maybe not every month there's a game there that i don't already own or something that excites me but you know a, a lot of times when i look at that list and i go oh let, let me make sure i grab that let me make sure i download that i'll, I'll, I'll check that out you know what i mean oh, yeah. whereas gold i don't think i've said that in probably five years if not longer 
yeah, like PS Plus for next month, um, that was announced a few days ago, and it looked great, right? Like it yeah. is. I'm trying to find because I know Ghost of Tsushima Legends is on there, Ark Survival Evolved is on there, Team Sonic Racing and Ghost Runner. Yeah. That's a fucking fantastic month, and it goes back to that original news story that we were talking about, right? With like Project Spartacus and the difference in strategy for PlayStation and Xbox, where Game Pass is doing it right now for Xbox, right? Like that right. is the thing to lean into. Where for PlayStation, they still see that value in, P- in PS Plus, and PS Plus really being the subscription per- um, uh, subscription service that they push. And so for them, yeah, it makes sense to support it in that way and go hard, go hard or go home with it. Um, and so it's not surprising, but it is also like when you read when you read the listing, it's like, God damn, street power soccer. Is that where is that, is that where yeah. we're at? All right. I guess, you know, you know, uh, we do have a deal of the day for you. Uh, this is tweeted out this morning by 11 bit studios for the next seven days. All profits from this war of mine in all his DLCs on all stores and all platforms will go to a special fund. A week from now, this money will go to the Ukrainian Red Cross to directly support victims of war in Ukraine. Uh, and so if you want. Uh, if you're looking for ways to support it, go check that out. Buy this war of mine. All that money is going to go to support uh, uh, Ukraine. And if you've not played this war of mine, very fascinating game. Of course, it's like a um, like a survival game that uh, that takes a very interesting approach into conveying the toll of war. Like it is a very kind of it's a heart wrenching game. Um, I only I was only able to play it for probably like four ish hours before I was like, damn, this is really fucking like. Like, it's getting to me like it, it, it's an emotional game so if you're looking for something like that uh check that out and at the very least you know give them the buck uh to help support uh the ukrainian red cross paris now it's time to squat up of course people can write in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where they can get the show ad free they can get us their questions and they can also get us their squad ups just like theo john did theo john writes in and says hello kfgd crew i hope you guys are doing well Late last year, I sent in a haiku, a haiku in review for Spider-Man No Way Home, and seeing how much y'all enjoyed it got me thinking to get back into writing. I wrote an article on WordPress that went viral in 2015, and I hadn't written another. Until now. I've become a parent since the last time I took pen to paper and wrote a fun article titled Survival, Surviving Parenthood that I published today. I was hoping to share it with you guys and any other parents that are also kind of funny best friends. My link is The Legend of Theo dot wordpress.com that is the legend of theo dot wordpress.com hope you guys enjoy it love you guys love this community and thank you theo that sounds really cool thank you for yeah, writing it in absolutely now it's time for kind of funny.com slash you're wrong where you write in listen to what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube and listening later on podcast services around the globe charles jacobson writes in and says uh we had a missed title uh babylon's falls babylon's falls demo hit psn today so if you're not busy with other games dot 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 that's the thing uh yeah if you're like if Elden ring's not your thing and you feel like playing the demo to babylon's fall boom there you go there you go everybody paris have you been paying attention to babylon's fall does that speak to you at all no that's not really my bag so i haven't been keeping too 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 much tabs on it it's one that bums me out so much because it should be my bag it right. was announced and it was my bag because it's Platinum Games. It, uh, I believe it was the same same team as Nier Automata. Uh, game looked really cool, looked really promising, and then reemerged years later, looking like a completely different game. And they said it was a games as a service, and it seems like it seems like people aren't aren't liking it. The preview impressions are not great out there, uh, and it bums me out because I fucking love that studio and I wanted to love this game. But hey. You know, who knows? Maybe it comes out day one and turns out we're all wrong. It turns out it slaps, but we'll have to see. Uh, Of course, it's Friday. It's the end of the week. So I can tell you about next week's host. Next week looks like this. On Monday for KFGD, we have question marks and Tim. Uh, Tuesday, we have Greg and Gary Witta. Wednesday, it's me and Andy. Thursday, 
it's Greg and Tim. Then on Friday, it's Greg and me. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Mike and Barrett playing some God of War. If you want to catch that stream later, you can subscribe to YouTube.com. So that's kind of funny. What's that? Uh, I'm just looking at the chat because uh, I, I got a cold and uh, someone's like, I'm, I'm crying tears for Babylon's fall. Yes. Yes, I am. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're not the only one. Yeah, I'm, I'm dude. I, I feel that. Babylon, it's, it's, it looks so good, Paris. At the reveal trailer, it looked fucking immaculate. And then, like, I think there was like one gameplay trailer after that that also looked really good. But then it came, it, it, it uh, appeared at like, what was it? It must have been, fuck, who publishes Babylon's Fall? It must be Square Enix. Cra- uh, chat, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Square Enix that published it. It was at their E3 thing and it showed up and it just did not look as good. It was during that weird E3 press conference, too, where it was that, it was um, Final Fantasy Origin. Yeah. And it was oh, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, and none of the showings <laughs> looked great. You know, thankfully, Guardians came out and was way better than people expected. But it was one of those ones where everybody was like, what the fuck did we all just watch together? Was that, was that a weird press conference? And yeah, it was a weird press conference. But we'll see. Who knows? Again, maybe, maybe it comes out. Maybe it's Guardians of the Galaxy. It won't be. But hey, <laughs> I mean, can dream. Yeah. Uh, remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, Game Daily.